What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Dog Talk with your host, Holden. Hope everybody's doing good today. I know it's been a long time since you and I have got together and talked, uh, but figured it's finally time to jump on here and talk a little bit about some Georgia football. Obviously, we've been away from it for a good little while and looking forward to jumping back into it and getting back into some of the news. A lot of stuff has happened uh, between the game, bowl game against Cincinnati, and now I've got a lot of stuff to get to with you guys, and I hope I bring you guys a lot of good content here. Uh, let me start things off by saying, uh, if you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe uh, to wherever you listen on podcasts. You can listen on uh, Apple Podcasts is the main one that I use just because I use an iPhone. I mean, but you can listen anywhere, iHeartRadio, Spotify, pretty much anywhere where you find podcasts we are up and on. Uh, if you guys don't mind just checking that out, hit the subscribe button. Same thing to YouTube. Uh, I will put the video up this week. I didn't, I wasn't able to get my camera to work to where you actually see me. Uh, so there's not going to be a lot of content on video, but nonetheless, if you guys want to jump over there and check it out, go ahead, hit that subscribe button there as well. Um, and last but not least, you can uh, actually, what is it? It's, it's like sponsorship if you guys wanted to uh, sponsor the show. In other words, if you guys just wanted to give like a, a donation or whatever to the show you can you can follow the link that will be uh, in the description of the podcast and I'll put it in the description of the video as well if you guys check it out on YouTube over there uh, I guess that wasn't the only thing also y'all follow us on or follow me excuse me on Twitter at dog talk 20 uh, I've been kind of quiet on there lately there's just a lot of stuff that's been going on a lot of stuff that comes out too so it's very difficult for me by myself to be able to get to all of that content and be able to put it up to you guys uh, because I do work a full-time job so that's not like it's the easiest thing all day every day to be staring uh, at a computer and put all of that information in so if you guys don't mind just go on there uh, subscribe to those things uh, if you feel like donating go ahead that'd be awesome as well um, and then follow me on Twitter uh, but some of the things that we're gonna get into today I'm gonna start things off uh, going back to last year 2020 I want to go over some of the stats some of the top performers in the sec from georgia obviously then we're going to jump into the returning starters for the 2021 season uh, we'll talk a little bit about one of the coaching changes here um, for the dogs jump into some of the scheduling for this upcoming season 2021 talk about the recruiting class a little bit about the recruiting class for next year because there is some information that did drop with it uh, and that'll pretty much wrap up this show Alright, so without further ado, let's jump straight into some of the stats. Uh, Georgia, obviously, this season we go 8-2 after the bowl game, 7-2 in the SEC. Uh, I think we finished 7th in the AP poll, um, looking at the stat sheet that I've got here. Ended up 323 points for, 200 points against, averaged 32.3 points a game. In the 10 games, uh, looks like most everything that we pushed through, I'm, I'm kind of going to breeze past that and jump kind of more into the player stat um, as opposed to just the overall team stats because some of that I think can kind of bore you. Um, obviously, your leading passer did end up being JT Daniels, even though he only played four games in the end of the season. Those games looked great. He put up a lot of yards. And in just those few games that he played, that was one of the big numbers looking at. He put up more yards than Stetson Bennett did being the key quarterback through the first games of the season. Uh, one good thing looking forward to the 2021 season is you do have JT Daniels in there, uh, obviously barring any injuries in the offseason. 
he will be your starting quarterback. So he gets to hopefully have an entire season to be able to show off his arm, show off the talent that the kid does have, and put up some good numbers. He ends the season 67.2% uh, in his per completion percentage rate, 1,231 yards, averaged 10.3 uh, per attempt, ended with 10 touchdowns on the season, two interceptions. Stetson Bennett right behind him, 55.5%, 1,179 yards, averaged 7.6 in an attempt, eight touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, which was a big kicker for him. Obviously, DeJuan Mathis has transferred out. Uh, goes 40%, 89 total yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Um, looking over at some of the SEC ranks uh, in any of this. I meant to actually go through and get those highlighted so that way I could pick them out real quick, which I'll do that uh, in a minute so it won't be a big deal. All right, so I got some of our numbers pulled up uh, to be able to kind of compare at least um, to some of the other people in the SEC at least. So Georgia didn't lead anything in any passing categories. Not very surprising. Maybe in the last four games, it would be kind of interesting to see if I could find a stat number. I haven't seen anything yet as far as how uh, JT compared to some of the other quarterbacks. The only thing Georgia comes in on the top ten rating uh, in the SEC, not overall in the country, but just in the SEC, uh, passing yards per attempt, Stetson Bennett was there at 7.6. Um, like I just said, obviously JT's number was a lot better than that, but I think uh, this is based on – an, an exceptional number of games played uh, through the season. And I see the asterisk there, but I don't know exactly how many games that is. That's probably five games or better, if I was guessing. Maybe six, maybe seven. I don't, I don't know exactly how they categorize this. But then the adjusted passing uh, yards per attempt, which is what we were talking about a minute ago, Stetson Bennett in seventh on that. And then passing touchdowns, one thing that JT did come in on, uh, was intent uh, throughout the entire uh, SEC. You had JT Daniels coming in there with 10 touchdowns. Kyle Trask did lead up with 43. Uh, passing interceptions, uh, not necessarily a number you want to be in on. Uh, Stetson Bennett tied for seventh with six. He ties with Colin Hill of South Carolina and Connor Basilak from Missouri. Looking at some of the other numbers as far as passing goes, Stetson Bennett did come in at the pass efficiency rating at seventh. 128.7, uh, and that's most of the information I've got at least uh, pertaining to some of the passing numbers. So let's jump into uh, some of the rushing numbers, and then we'll get into the receiving yards and numbers and things of that nature. So let me just double-check my other sheet here and make sure I didn't have anything else as far as passing goes. Uh, and I don't really see anything. So... Uh, jumping on down into the rushing category, some of the stat lines here is Amir White. Love to see him returning, which we'll get to here in just a minute. Uh, he did lead the yardage as far as the rushing goes, 779 yards, 11 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, then you got James Cook behind him, 303 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. Kenny McIntosh, 251 yards, a touchdown. Dejon Edwards, he showed up pretty big and in a good way there nearing the end of the season. 218 yards, had a touchdown on the ground. Kendall Milton obviously battling injury. 193 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, and that's the key of most of those guys. Jermaine Burton, 50 yards on the ground on four touches. Uh, obviously, those being some of the sweeps. Now, some of the rushing categories, I do actually have some numbers here on a couple of these. Let me look back at a couple of my sheets here. 
All right, here we go. Uh, Zamir, he did come in seventh on rushing attempts, 144 of them rushing yards. He was also in seventh, 779 yards. Uh, obviously, Najee Harris led both of those attempts there, uh, playing in many more games. Zeus was also in seventh on the rushing yards per attempt at five and a half, really 5.4. Rushing touchdowns, he did tie fourth with 11 on the ground. Najee led that with 26. And uh, that's what I've got on the rushing side of the ball. Uh, jumping to the receiving category, which is a pretty big one and one that we're looking to be pretty stout in in the 2021 season upcoming. Jumping right into it, your key uh, yardage receiver yardage only by one yard uh, Kiaris Jackson led as far as yardage goes for the dogs 514 yards had three touchdowns uh, George Pickens right there behind him 513 yards six touchdowns through the air though uh, Jermaine Burton was 404 yards three touchdowns uh, just running through a couple others I'm not going to do these in order now because they get a little spaced out Kenny McIntosh 111 yards through the air uh, no touchdowns. James Cook, 225 yards, two through the air. Uh, then you had uh, Demetrius Robertson, 110 yards in the air. Uh, Darnell Washington, 166 yards. Trey McKitty, 108 with one touchdown. Obviously, Trey McKitty's gone. Marcus Rosemey, uh, that one big touchdown grab that he did have that cost him the rest of the season. He ends with 62 yards on the season. Arian Smith, look for him to be a key point receiver this coming up year. Uh, 86 yards, touchdown. Matt Landers, 27 yards. Brett Seether, 12 yards. Uh, and Jalen Carter had one touchdown uh, on one yard. So that's the key as far as the receiving side of things go. Don't think I have like any award winners uh, for the receiving thing. I do not. Um, but I can still look right here and give you some of the stats for any of the Georgia players. I'm not seeing anything really coming up. Uh, other than George Pickens tied for ninth for receiving touchdowns at sixth. Um, one other kind of, I guess, a couple other different numbers. This is back to the rushing category. Plays from scrimmage. Uh, Zamir White was eight there with 150 touchdowns from scrimmage. He was tied for sixth with 11 um, there. So that's, that's about there is on that. I'm hoping that with JT having a full season coming up 2021, as well as having a lot of wide receivers coming back, I think this is going to be the best wide receiver core that Georgia has had in a few years, especially after a couple of years ago having to basically rebuild the entire wide receiver room. Um, I think this is the best chance for Georgia to be able to actually field a really good receiving team with a quarterback that can get the ball to them uh, and fit in those pockets. So really looking forward to that. Hope that we can continue that trend and, and a lot of these guys that we have coming back uh, are going to be able to help with that. Let's jump down to some of the other numbers that I've got pulled up here. A lot of this, uh, looking at touchdowns, Zeus was 7th uh, with 11. He was actually tied for 7th there. Points, Jack Pelesny, oh, uh, hot pod, ends up at 10th with 77 points. Extra point attempts, he was 5th with 38. Uh, and then extra points made, obviously he was 5th there as well with 38. Field goal attempts. Uh, he ends at 6th with 16. Field goals made, he ends at 6th with 13. Uh, his percentage, he ends at 8th there with 81.3. Punts, Jake Camardo does come in at 8th with 36. Total punts, his punting yards, 
He'll end at eighth there as well, 1,677 yards. Uh, but then his punting yards per punt, uh, he was tied basically for first. I don't really know why they didn't make this a tie. Tied with Mac Brown from uh, Ole Miss for 46.6 yards per punt. Jake Camarda there says he's second, but that's tied for first. Um, some of the punt return yards, since we're talking about some of the punting, uh, Karis Jackson tied for first with Anaya Smith from Texas A&M with 15 punt returns. Punt return yards, Kiaris Jackson was fourth in that one with 87. And then you also get Tyreek Stevenson actually jumped up in there as well at 10th with 37. Uh, punt return yards per return. Georgia does lead that one with Kiaris Jackson leading that charge. 5.8 on the uh, return yards per return. Also kickoff returns, Kiaris Jackson in third there with 11. Kickoff return yards, he ends in third there with 298, only 100 yards behind the uh, leader there. Uh, kickoff return yards per return, he ends in second there, 27.1. Just a little bit behind Jerry and Ely there at Ole Miss. Um, and that's going to be our offensive numbers and our punt numbers, kicking numbers, return numbers, all that stuff. Now we're going to jump down into the defense where Georgia did actually excel at quite a few different positions uh, when it comes to this so looking forward to getting into this um yeah because I already, I already wrote that stuff down so we'll jump right into some of the defensive stuff total tackles is what we're going to start it off with nicobe dean leads the team with 71 right behind him lewis seen with 52 monty rice with 49 quay walker with 43 tyreek stevenson 34 aziz ojalari 31 Tyson Campbell, 29. Richard LeCount, 26. Christopher Smith, Chris Smith, 26. Devontae White, 25. Mark Webb, 21. Nolan Smith, 21. Eric Stokes, 20. Malik Herring, 20. Jordan Davis, 16. Jermaine Johnson, 16. Channing Tindall, 15. Jalen Carter, 14. Trayvon Walker, 13. Adam Anderson, 13. Uh, Latavius Brini, 11. Everybody below that is going to be 10 or lower. DJ Daniel, Julian Rochester, Major Burns, a few of those down uh, the line George Pickens also comes in there at the bottom with one, as well as Marcus Rosemey with a couple. Uh, those, I would imagine, are off of a couple of interceptions. Speaking of interceptions, we'll jump to that. Tyson Campbell ends the season with one. Richard LeCount ends the season with three. Mark Webb with one. And Eric Stokes with four. Trayvon Walker as well had one. And in the interceptions number, I think we have a guy on that. Yep, Eric Stokes ends tied for second with interceptions on the season at four uh emmanuel forbes with mississippi state ended up leading with five so just one off of that richard lecount was also tied for fifth with three imagine if he had been able to have his entire season if it wasn't for the uh the injury looking at interception return yards eric stoke did lead, lead well actually was in fourth on that with 94 total uh, returning touchdowns emmanuel forbes led that from mississippi state with three but eric stokes does tie for second uh, with a total of two so one behind it on the on the pick six there um and now let's we'll jump into those are the tackles we went through i think i want to jump to the sacks here yeah yeah that's one let's go for like tackles for loss sacks and things of that number sacks on the season nicobe dean one and a half monty rice had one quay walker had one aziz ojalari he ends the season in first place with sacks for Georgia at nine and a half. 
uh, and and the only other guy close to him on the on the Georgia roster, tied for seventh in the SEC, uh, was Adam Anderson with five and a half. Uh, the only second closest person to him was a sack and a half behind uh, there for Alabama and total sacks in the SEC. Um, looking to see, Nolan Smith had two and a half. Malik Herring had a couple. Jermaine Johnson had five. Channing Tindall had three. Obviously, Adam, Adam Anderson that I talked about just a minute ago. Um, I think we talked about the interceptions, yeah, just a minute ago. So those are those numbers. Uh, forced fumbles. Aziz Ojolari also led the, the SEC in that number as well, uh, sitting at four. Um, and the closest to him, a couple guys had three, but then after that, everybody pretty much had two. Uh, so that was a big one there. For him, forced fumble four. Monty Rice had two. Trayvon Walker had one, as well as Adam Anderson had one. I think says George Pickens had one, too. Can't say that I 100% remember that number to be 100% with you. But that's pretty much going to be going through. I think that's most all of the stat numbers. Let me just double-check to make sure I got all this right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's most of the stats that I want to run through. I know stats can be kind of boring, um, but, you know. The end of the day, your leading quarterback, JT Daniels, your leading rusher, Zamir White, James Cook right behind him. Luckily, both all three of those guys so far that I mentioned are coming back. Uh, then you got George Pickens, basically your key uh, wide receiver as well as Kiaris Jackson. I mean, you got both of these guys that you get to throw to all season, um, and a couple of other guys too. So, I uh, hate hate that as far as defense goes, we lose Aziz Ojolari as he's headed to the draft. Can't blame him, though. He had a great season. Wish we could have him for his senior season. Um, but we got a couple of guys that are sticking around. Uh, so let's jump into those. Let's talk about those guys that we've got coming back. Starting it off with the quarterback, JT Daniels. Obviously, he's going to be a big and key uh, component to this offense that we have coming up. Very, very excited about it and looking forward to having him back. Uh, so let me see, just in the four starts that he had, like we said earlier, 1,231 yards, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, average really nice yards. Um, so he's going to be a big and key point coming back. Um, and we get our, uh, the, the other best part about it is we get our running backs back as well. Zamir White, like we said, started all 10 games, uh, 779 yards, 11 touchdowns. So we'll definitely be glad to have him back coming into this next season. Um, also, huh, I thought I had it wrote down here, but I guess I didn't. But um, James Cook will be back as well with him. Uh, obviously, you got Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton. So huge guys in the backfield. We don't lose anything in the backfield this season, which is great. Kind of reminds me of the year that we had uh, Sony Michelle as well as Nick Chubb decided to come back for their senior seasons. Had two really great guys back there, and I believe that season that we went to the national championship, they both broke a thousand yards, uh, which was a huge accomplishment by Georgia as far as the running game goes. So that's going to be big. Um, looking at the other side of it, George Pickens coming back on the wide receiver position. Uh, obviously, Kiaris Jackson as well. Those guys are going to make a huge key impact um, coming up into this season. My pages are sticking together, which is always, always nice. Yeah, I guess it's just going to have to stick together. Um, jumping through a couple of your other ones. Jermaine Burton there in the wide receiver port. Another good one, Darnell Washington. He'll be coming in and Jermaine, some of his numbers. 27 receptions in 10 games, 404 yards. 
Uh, and then uh, the biggest game was obviously that Mississippi State game. Eight catches, 197 yards, two touchdowns in the night. Tight end position. Darnell Washington, John, Fit John Fitzpatrick, both of these guys coming back uh, this season. I think Darnell Washington could find himself with a little bit more workload this upcoming season. You know, we started to pinpoint him uh, later in the season, and obviously in the bowl game against Cincinnati, he came in in a big way for us. So look forward to our tight ends becoming a bigger part of the pass game. Moving up, offensive line, Jamar Salyer. Huge, huge keep right there. Having him, he started nine games at left tackle, moved to left guard uh, for the Peach Bowl. So uh, it's going to be great having him come back, as well as Justin Schaefer uh, in that guard position. Warren McClendon also a tackle there. Um, so as far as offensive line goes, we still have some pretty stout guys that are coming back this season. Uh, that makes a big, big difference being able to protect JT Daniels there and open up those holes for the for the running backs uh, in Zeus as well as uh, James Cook there as well. Now on the defensive side of the ball, one of the one of the sides of the ball that we lost the most guys um, that could impact the team. We did manage to keep a few really good guys back. That's Jordan Davis, obviously at the nose guard position. Devontae Wyatt, uh, defensive tackle. Kobe Dean inside linebacker, Chris Smith, obviously a safety, and Lewis Seen back there. Uh, so that, that deep threat as far as, um, you know, our safety position, I do feel a lot better now after that because I was getting a little bit nervous. I can't lie to you. Once you start having uh, all these guys that are leaving, you know, you got uh, LeCount who's graduated, uh, a couple other guys that decide to leave. I hated to lose uh, – Zizo Gillard there on the line because, I mean, he was such a key point this past season, obviously leading a lot of categories as far as the defense goes. Um, so I've said it for years, and I hope that it doesn't tr prove to be the true this upcoming season because I think we've got a lot of talent coming back. And one thing that we're about to get into after I talk a little bit about coaching um, is going to be this recruiting class that we have coming in which is going to help a lot. But I've always said this. It always seems like Georgia seems to have a really good offense one year when the defense is down a little bit. And then what will happen is, all right, we get a shift. We get some recruiting going. We get some guys in. All of a sudden our offense, our defense is clicking, looking great, and our offense is not that great. Let's go back to the 2017 season, and we go and play for the national championship that 2018 year. You know, the offense, defense, everything was clicking. Things were moving great. Uh, the only thing we had trouble with offensively was fourth quarter, we just stalled. We, we, we didn't seem to put points on the board when you had to. Um, and that kind of, we struggled a little bit offensively there. Uh, but then you turn around the following season and the offense is, you know, just kind of lackluster. About the same that it was, didn't really improve a lot. Defense was still really, really good. It's extremely hard to run the ball against Georgia, we've learned. But teams are starting to get to where they pass the ball more and Georgia just in that secondary we've got to continue to get better luckily we've got a couple of guys returning back there that i think are going to be able to you know make that happen then we look at this past season and defense is great looks stout obviously later in our mid-season a lot of injuries came up and our defense took a took a bit of a hit and it was it was kind of flip-flop we start the season our defense is really good the offense is lackluster not not very impressive as the season's kind of moving on all of a sudden, in the middle of the season, we start to get defensive injuries. The defense kind of takes a back seat as far as the pass game goes. Run game, we were still doing really good on defense. And then the offense starts to come alive at the end of the season. 
uh, but by then it was too late for anything to matter. So I'm hoping this upcoming season we can have a really good offense as well as a really good defense to be able to take care of business and get the things done that we want to get done this year. We want, you know, the goal is SEC championship, win the SEC East, play for the SEC championship, win the SEC championship, move on and get back into the playoffs, which is where we've got to be. Uh, just to get into the playoffs means a lot. A lot of people have been saying that this is the season that it's make or break for Kirby Smart. Um, and I hate to say that if the guy's only been here for, what is this, his sixth season, I believe it'll be. Um, it's, it's a fifth or sixth, excuse me. Um, it, it's kind of hard to believe that as much success as he has, that there's actually people out there who think that this is make or break a year for Kirby. Uh, because I think he's doing great things. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about it once we get into the recruiting stage here in just a minute. But, I mean, he's had top recruiting classes, recruiting classes in the top three, top five, uh, just about since he's been there. I think after that first season that he was there, Georgia started to put up really, really good and high rankings in the recruiting rankings, which you have to do for, for you to be competitive and to be able to play in a national championship, to be able to play in the playoffs uh, or even a New Year's Six Bowl at the least. You have to recruit well, and you've, you've got to be able to you know, make these players good and, and put them on the field. Just because they come in as a five-star doesn't mean that they're going to be five-star caliber playing for you on the field. It also, through your coaching and everybody that you've got on the field, has got to be able to make that happen. So I don't think it's a make-or-break year, but I do think this is a season that the goals are like they always are. Win the SEC East, win the SEC Championship game, get to the playoffs, have a chance to get to the national championship and win a national championship, which is always everybody's goal. But this year, I think, uh, like no other, you have all of the offensive key pieces that you should have there. So I don't think the offense should show, struggle like it has this season or this past season. And uh, I believe that defensively we've got a little bit of work to do, but I think that the defense has enough depth that we're going to be able to push forward uh, and get into some stuff. Um, so looking forward to that. Let's talk a little bit about the coaching real quick. All right, so the dogs go after Charlton Warren uh, left, and he has become the defensive coordinator there at Indiana. The dogs have hired uh, Jamal Adai, uh, former West Virginia cornerbacks coach. He will actually come in uh, and fill the vacancy for not a defensive coordinator position because Dan Lanning uh, is holding that he will come in as the DB the defensive back coach um, so welcoming him to the program look forward to seeing what he can do I think he actually was a uh, West Virginia alum as well so that's where he's coming from a pretty good name to go in and get as a defensive backs co coach and bring him into it uh, as the offseason progresses obviously we'll keep an eye on things one key point that I want to note is if we can keep the defensive coordinator in position as well as the offensive coordinator uh, and Todd Munkin, if we can keep all of these key components in line for the offseason, uh, that always stands a really, really good chance to be able to succeed in the future as we take on, you know, anybody. Uh, because to me, keeping the coaches that you have on staff for multiple years, for the guys that you have coming in to be able to relate to, for the guys to build relationships and get better and trust and believe and to buy into the program, uh, these guys have got to be able to stick it out, and you've got to be able to keep them around as well. Obviously, it's very difficult in uh, Charlton Warren's situation when you get that defensive coordinator position, especially at a school as good as Indiana had this season, 
uh, it's really hard to turn something like that down. And it's also a good thing to see some of these guys coming out uh, of the program and go into the higher up positions like that because that means that uh, they find you know teams out there find them worthy and find that the position and the the, the work that they've been doing is good. Um, so that is a good thing for those guys. What I don't want to see happen is guys in a position leave to go and fill the same or a worse position um, as things move on. One of the other coaching hires, obviously, that happened that was a big uh, news item as well was former South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp has come in and is going to be an analyst. Uh, Kirby Smart did. He actually did come out and comment uh, and not approve but but say that, yes, this is obviously true. Uh, and that he'll come in as a defensive analyst position um, there for the dogs. So that's pretty much the only thing I've seen as far as coaching uh, goes for uh, Georgia. So looking forward to that. Some of the stuff outside of it is obviously Jeremy Pruitt was fired uh, and, and multiple of his uh, coaching hires and some of the coaches that he had uh, for handing out cash to recru recruits in a McDonald's bag. Uh you know, I mean, I love McDonald's, and I think any time you'd pick up a McDonald's bag from this point on uh, in Tennessee, you might be kind of questioning, you know, what was the thought here and there. Uh, nonetheless, they do go out and hire uh, Josh Hopple to come in and be their head coach, and he's made a couple other hires uh, as the season or as the offseason progresses. So uh, just some fun news kind of up there out of Knoxville. Uh, be interesting to see how things go for them. Upcoming now, let's jump into some of the 2021 stuff to look forward to. Obviously, everything we've been talking about as far as uh, the returning starters for this season, some of the coaching changes coming up that reflects and deals with what we get to look forward to here um, in the future. But what we really want to start talking about now um, is some of the the ins and outs of it. And let's start it off. I'm going to read the schedule out to you. Obviously, the schedule has come out. It is in place. Where we will stand once the season gets started or at that point in time, it's really hard to say. Obviously, 2020 was a very strange season uh, and year in general because of the pandemic that we've been living through. Um, so that will be something to keep an eye on, obviously, this off season because if things begin to flare up as they tend to do in the summertime and when, when a lot of people can gather together, uh, Christmas time, you know, Thanksgiving, New Year's and the numbers just continued to rise for a little while. They've started to settle back, which is always a good thing. Uh, but summertime, kids are out of school. Um, it's hard to keep, you know, it's hard to keep people from getting together when you're not, you know, you don't have a lot to do unless you're taking summer classes and things of that nature. So that will be something that we will keep an eye on uh, for this upcoming season and throughout the off season to see if they decide to back the season up or change the scheduling around like they did this upcoming seat or this past season uh so hopefully that doesn't happen but if it doesn't this is the schedule that we get lined up looks pretty good obviously we get to open the season with a massive game which we're going to jump to april 17th is the first date that i'm going to throw at you that is the g-day game don't have times or anything like that for any of these games yet that's too early to tell obviously um a lot of that has to do with the tv rights and and things of that nature to see what's going to happen from here on out. And I believe, I, I can't remember, I know we talked about it, I think the middle to the end of last season um, that ESPN had bought the rights, I believe, to, or ABC, something. Uh, the rights were bought out, um, so a lot more games will be showing up 
there. I think instead of CBS, I think ESPN bought it out from CBS, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So the TV stuff is why we can't get any numbers because obviously if things change with scheduling, then times have to change. Everything with TV channels has to change, and that's what everything's based on nowadays. So that's just one other thing to keep an eye on. But April 17th, that's the G-Day spring game. That's where we get started, and then we jump all the way down to Saturday. September 4th, we open up the season in Charlotte, North Carolina against the Clemson Tigers. It's going to be a big one. I don't think there's going to be a bigger game uh, this upcoming season. There's going to be a lot of hype around it to start the season uh, because I think you get like Alabama, Miami. That could turn out to be a good one. I think Miami has one of the top returning uh, numbers as far as their returning starters from this last season. Obviously, D. Eric King being their quarterback down there makes a big difference for them. Uh, but I think this could be one of at least preseason looking on forward to the schedules throughout the SEC and throughout the country. This could be one of the top games of the season, and it may or may not have any playoff implications because I think if Clemson beats Georgia and Georgia wins out, they still stand a good chance to say, hey, the only team I lost to is Clemson. If at the end of the season Clemson has won out like they've done in the past couple of years and they find themselves in the playoff talks again, Vice versa, same thing. If Georgia can get them, get them taken care of and wrangle those Tigers to start the season, I mean, you start the season with a great win over, at that point in time, I would imagine a top-five team and more than likely a top-five matchup because if I was guessing just now, it's, it's hard to say, I've seen you know some of the preseason are way too early top-25 numbers. we got a long way to go till they actually put those numbers out. Uh, but I could see Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, you know, a few teams to name there in the top kind of five or six uh, that could be floating around up there. So it could turn out to be a top four matchup, top five matchup to start the season there against Clemson. Again, that one's going to be at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's not a home team. It is a neutral site game for both teams. Obviously, Clemson being a little bit closer. Then jump down to Saturday, September 11th. Uh, you got UAB at home. Following that, on the 18th, you get South Carolina. They will also That will also be a home game uh, for the Dogs. Then you move on down to Saturday, September 25th. Um, we travel to Vanderbilt. Then we'll get that home-and-home home game back uh, against Arkansas on October 2nd at the house. Uh, and then we go to Auburn following that October 9th. Then back home against Kentucky on October 16th. We'll have... October 23rd off before we travel down to Jacksonville to play those lousy stinking Gators on October 30th. Uh, then it's back home again on November 6th against Missouri, traveling up to Tennessee on November 13th to take on the Volunteers. Uh, and then back at the house again, taking on Charleston Southern on November 20th before we finally get to make that matchup game happen again uh, at Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on November 27th. As of right now, the SEC Championship game is scheduled for December 4th. Uh, so that is the schedule. Some of the, I mean, looking at the schedule and just looking at how teams have been and how things look like they're going to be this upcoming season, if Georgia can get past Clemson to start the season, Georgia stands a really, really good chance to go undefeated. And I say that because you, you should be able to cruise past UAB. South Carolina is way down and just, just – I'm fairly certain sat at the very bottom of the recruiting class in, in the uh, SEC. 
Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. Arkansas, you know, they looked a lot better this year. They gave us fits to start the season. But I think Georgia's offense should be pretty potent this upcoming season, so should be able to take care of business. You do travel to Auburn, which is always a fun one. But you've got some coaching turnover. you got a lot of a lot of changes happening at Auburn, too. Uh, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Then back home against Kentucky, I think, I think we can take care of business there. You get the bye week and we travel to Florida. This is going to be a big one on the schedule, as it is every season. I, I circle Auburn. I circle Florida. Uh, Tennessee, most of the time I circle Missouri. You can't look past Missouri. Um, but this Florida game is going to be completely different this upcoming year. Uh, I could, To be honest with you, I could see this being a 2016, 2017, 2018, back when Georgia went 3-0 and against Florida in that run uh, before, unfortunately, following this season. Just because Florida lost so much this season between a quarterback, tight ends, wide receivers, running back, I mean – they lost a lot. So their defense may still be pretty decent, but their offense is going to be nothing like what it was this season. So I could see Georgia going down there and putting a whooping up on the Gators, especially after the way this past season went. Uh, and then Florida obviously went on to win the East and, and play for the SEC Championship where they got trounced by Alabama. Well, I guess they did come back and make it a better game, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. Uh, then you got Missouri. Like I say, we'll get them at home, luckily. So that one I, I think we can take care of business. Tennessee will be an interesting one just to, just because it's later in the season. It's November 13th, and then, you know, you, you, you just never know with a team who's getting a lot of new coaching. Obviously, uh, there can be a lot of bowl implications and stuff. I think there's still some investigation going. I'm not 100% on what all of the ins and outs as far as what's going to happen with Tennessee are. So that will be something to look forward to. Obviously, Charleston Southern is just kind of one of those games. Uh, to fill a gap, Georgia Tech I don't think is anywhere near the caliber that Georgia is. Um, so, it, I mean, I just think that Georgia stands such a good chance that that first game of the season is going to be a tough one. And then a couple throughout the season that we can jump up and hiccup on, but I think Georgia stands a really good chance. I'm really looking forward to that Saturday, September 4th, against Clemson to start the season. Uh, always love when you get to start the season off in a big way. Uh, just because it's exciting. It's, it's it's exciting when you get to open the season with a uh, USC or, a, or, in this case, Clemson or like a Alabama-Miami. Those are fun games to start the season. When you have to start the season off against a UAB or no no offense to UAB, not, not trying to throw any jabs out there, or a, uh, I don't know, just just a smaller school. It's just, it's just not as fun. Um, so look forward to that as we get to start the season. And now we will jump into some of the other stuff that I wanted to jump through, which is talking about recruiting class. We have got the 2021 class has come in, and we've got our numbers pulled up. I'm going to pull it up on the screen for you guys if you guys want to uh, watch. And if you're watching this on YouTube and listening, this is the class. This is what we got. Uh, nationally ranked. This is per 24-7 sports. Uh, so we rank nationally third. Last year we were first. They believe next year we'll be second. Uh, in the SEC we ranked second last year, and they believe next year we'll rank first um, in that. So something to keep an eye on. Average rating, 935. Uh, Alabama was ranked first in the SEC. I think they were actually ranked first in the nation as well with the highest uh, recruiting ranking number and rating number that they've ever had. Um, so this is just this is what the class looks like. This is this is the guys who are already enrolled. You got Amarius Mims there at uh, the the tackle position out of Blickley County. 
in Cochran, Georgia. You got Brock Vandegrift, which we're going to get to that in a minute when we talk a little bit about the 2022 signing class uh, because a big game between Prince Avenue Christian and another team with another quarterback that we're going to talk about in a minute uh, coming up in the 2022 season. Something to look forward to. Obviously, Brock Vandegrift has been on campus for a little while now, so he is taking classes and being able to be with everybody. Xavier Sori there as well, another five-star uh, linebacker out of IMG in Bradenton down there. Got him on campus as well, Smile Munden, same thing. Linebacker there as well, five-star. He's on campus, Michael Morris, four-star there, offensive tackle. Uh, then you got Nylon Green, a cornerback. Need some cornerbacks to come in and fill some gaps now. Be nice. Another four-star there as well as David Daniel. Um, four-star Brock Bowers, four-star tight end, Lavasia Carroll, four-star running back, uh, four-star Jonathan Jefferson, defensive end as well as four-star Tyron Ingram Dawkins, a defensive tackle spot there. You got Chaz Chambliss, a four-star out of Carrollton, Georgia. Adonai Mitchell, a three-star wide receiver. Marlon Dean, a three-star defensive tackle. Ja yeah, Javon Bullard, a cornerback three-star there. And Jackson Meeks, three-star out of Phoenix City, Alabama, wide receiver. Then you got guys who have signed but are not yet on campus. Should be coming on, I think, in the uh, offseason. You got Dylan Fairchild, a four-star guard. Jamar Dumas Johnson, another four-star linebacker. Kamari Lassiter, a four-star cornerback, as well as three-star Jared Wilson uh, in the guard position. So that's the guys that we've got coming up, or the guys that we have uh, basically in the books for the 2021 season. Um, so looking forward to these guys making a big difference uh, in this upcoming season. Then we're going to talk about this, this one right here. Gunnar Stockton coming in in the 2022 signing class. He has committed to Georgia. Obviously, there's a long way to go before we get there. He committed uh, just a few days ago. I guess it's been about a week ago now to Georgia. Um, he, he committed very, very late. Obviously, he was uh, set to, to go to South Carolina. And I'm not 100% if Will Muschamp uh, leaving South Carolina is part of the reason that he decided uh, to, to drop that. I'm, I'm sure that's got a lot to do with it, but obviously Will turning around and coming to Georgia, that could play a big part as far as why he decided to commit to Georgia after decommitting from South Carolina. And he is now committed to the 2022 class. Obviously, he's a season uh, or senior now there at Rabin County and will be this upcoming season. Um, so looking forward to that. Dion Bowie as well, five-star. Coming out of Bainbridge, you got Trey West, who is a five-star defensive tackle coming out of Tiff County. Uh, Marquise Groves Kilbrew out of Brookwood in Snailville, Georgia, four-star cornerback. C.J. Washington linebacker, four-star. Bear uh, Alexander, defensive tackle, four-star. Darius Smith, four-star, defensive end, um, as well as linebacker. Donovan Westmerlin out of Griffin, Georgia, the three-star. So those are the guys who have committed to the 2022 class at this moment that is second-ranked nationally, first-ranked in the SEC. Uh, so pretty good looking so far on the 2022 uh, ballot. Now, jumping back to the 2021 number real quick because uh, this is the one that's going to matter. These are the guys who will fill spots uh, this season. And this is what we've got. Some guys I think can come in and immediately make a big difference. I mean, there's a few of them. You know, I think Xavier's story, he can be a big big key component in linebacker. You know, you're replacing a few linebackers uh, in the board. 
which is, is something we really won't need to have. One of the other things looking at here, a big thing just looking at the breakdown by state, Georgia was able to keep a lot of these commits in state, 11 out of the state of Georgia, two out of Alabama, two out of Florida, one out of California, one out of Maryland, one out of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Uh, so you had a lot of those guys staying home, which is always good to see when you get those homeboys uh, from Georgia to stay home and be able to play for you. And a couple of these guys I think are going to be able to come in uh, and make a big difference. Most of these guys I think defensively, uh, you know, obviously you got a couple of these, like Amarius Mims, I think he can immediately fill in that tackle position there uh, on the offensive line. Obviously he's going to have some competition. I look forward to seeing how things go uh, in that on that side of the ball once we get deeper into uh, the off season, uh, obviously coming up on G Day, that's always where you can come in and prove your point as well. Um, so those are the key components that I wanted to talk to you guys about today, um, and that's you know that's the most of it. A lot of what I wanted to do is wait until I started to get some more information in. Uh, I wanted to wait and see, um, you know, just what was happening with some of the coaching. There's obviously going to be a lot more that's that's, that's going to come out. Um, more recruiting will happen. A lot of the stuff for 2022 is just exciting to look forward to, especially that Gunner Stockton thing. You know, you had Gunner and Brock Vandegrift that played uh, against each other when, when Prince and Raven County actually met up this season in Raven County, and Gunner Stockton actually got the better of them and ended up winning that game. So uh, that, that's going to be fun to see that competition going on. I know they're good friends and play ball together as they were younger. So something exciting to look forward to. Obviously, we've got a long way to go, like I said, between now and then before that actually happens. And the reason I say that is it's, it's very difficult, I think, when a guy commits this early to actually keep him. You know, we've got a few guys that committed all the way back November of last year, and some of these guys will stay, and, and I look forward to that. Uh, but looking at it right now, you have got a full, I mean, very, very full quarterback room. you got JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett's not gone. Stetson Bennett is still there. Uh, you got uh, Carson Beck. That's sitting back there. Now you got Brock Vandegrift and you got a Gunnar Stockton coming in next year. You got a lot of five stars sitting in that room. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, a lot of people say that we shouldn't do this. We should, you know, kind of keep it slim and, and, and easy going. Uh, to me, I don't think that's the case. I think it's cool having these guys in there. They make each other better, compete every day. You put the best guy on the field. And uh, that that's what it boils down to. It, it can't have anything to do with, hey, you know, I've just got to be faithful to this guy. It is. You put the best guy on the field, and you're going to get the best results out of him. And you just got to trust that process. And I think Kirby knows that. I think he's learned his lesson. Everybody always wants to bring up, you know, the Justin Fields and the, and the Jake Fromm situation. Um, but that's just the way I see it. And I look forward to seeing how that's going to work out. Look forward to seeing how things are going to shake out this upcoming season. Uh, you guys probably won't hear much from me. Uh, until maybe around that Saturday, April 17th when we get to G-Day. Uh, just because, I mean, there's not a lot that's going to happen between now. I mean, you've got uh, some coaching changes that could happen. Uh, we can get some more recruits, things of that nature. Stuff like that can change. Uh, but there's not a lot that's going to be changing between now and then. Uh, so I'll probably sign off for a little while. I'll try to keep the Twitter page active. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting some content and some some stuff together for you guys uh, this upcoming 2021 season. I do plan on continuing this thing and continue doing it because I do enjoy doing it, and I hope you guys uh, have enjoyed it as well. would love to hear some feedback from you. So you guys hop on Twitter, at Dog Talk 20. Uh, follow me. 
send me whatever you guys want. Would love to love to get some content if you guys want to come on the show. Um, y'all come on. It'd be, it'd be fun to have you guys talk talk a little bit about some Georgia football uh, and get into some of the ins and outs of what we get to look forward to coming up. I'm excited about it. I know you guys are too. Um, and I mean that's that's all I got for you. Really, really looking forward to getting to start the season against Clemson. That's going to be a lot of fun. Anytime I think that you can get a game like that uh, lined up to start the season, I mean, you're just looking for a good time. So, uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Hope you guys have a great off season. If anything breaks or comes out, uh, I'll jump in and bring you some of that content. But outside of that, I really appreciate it. Go dogs. <laughs>